Welcome to Be Fearlessly Authentic. Here, we talk about being fully alive in our faith, life, and purpose. Join us for conversations that will challenge you to get real honest with yourself and others. This is the time to face your most audacious desires and find the courage to be fully you as you chase dreams and navigate the mess and meaning of everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Be Fearlessly Authentic. We're excited because today we are talking about, well, what I think is the dreaded conversation of therapy. So you've probably heard Andrea and I talk a little bit about this throughout our last couple episodes because it is a journey that we are both launching into this year as we just seek to be the best versions of ourselves. And um, we are pursuing that. We're trusting that there is going to be so much growth and health that comes out of this therapy session for us um, and just seeing God work through that. But we also recognize that there's a lot of hesitancy. So some people have misrepresentations of what therapy is. Some people don't understand therapy at all um, or discount someone's spiritual life because of therapy. So we thought, why not? bring in a therapist to have some conversation with her, see what she has to say, understand the heart behind therapy, especially as a Christian, and even just kind of see what she thinks about where we're at with our journey heading into therapy. So Andrea, to get us started, where are you at with this whole process? How are you feeling about therapy in 2021? Mm -hmm. First of all, I love that you said we're so excited. And then you called it dreaded. Um, so (laughs) just going to call that out real fast. Also, I love (laughs) that I keep getting to go first. Um, so hopefully next week I don't have to, uh, so where I am at is (laughs) true confession. I literally emailed, uh, the person who I want to meet with, uh, literally this morning mainly because I knew that we were recording this this afternoon. And I was like, there's my hard stop. Like I cannot go any further, like literally cannot go another sleep without moving this ball forward. Um, and, but some context is, is that I spent weeks in December, literally weeks in December, trying to figure out the whole insurance part of going to therapy. So I just also want to open that up into this conversation is it took me a couple of weeks as well as talking to coworkers with the same insurance as me who are in therapy to figure out how does this work? Because initially when I went down the road just by myself um, and on my insurance website, I basically saw and read that I needed to be uh, have an addiction, drug or alcohol in order for my insurance to cover it. And I was like, cool. That's a problem. Um, because, and again, I'm not the therapist, um, on this, uh, episode that I'm just a person who does life with people going, if that is where we are telling people, like, this is where to start is once you have an addiction and you're kind of at the like end of your rope, I think that might be part of why there's so many misconceptions about therapy. So, sure we'll get to that later but yeah so where I am at is I finally emailed the person today um and the funniest part is is that our guest is um one of my coworkers at Soul City Church and a friend and her name is Christy and I actually 
in doing something today saw an email I sent on March 4th of 2020. Yes, this is pre-COVID quarantine. I mean, COVID was already in America, but we weren't shut down yet. Um, where I said, Christy, I need to meet with you because I need to start therapy. So this is literally a year in the making. Um, so full disclosure, it is taking me 11 months to go from Christy, I need help to, hey, person that is a therapist, do you have any openings? Are you accepting new clients? So that's where I'm at. Stephanie, your turn. I actually am pretty much in the same boat. So last January, I was in a class um, called Vocational Excellence talking about who God made you to be and how you can use those gifts and strengths and where your weaknesses are. And we got to each meet one-on-one with a counselor to just process through all of that. And the counselor recommended that I do counseling just as a regular healthy habit, like no big trauma that I'm processing, no big experience that I needed to really get through um, just as a regular healthy practice. And I had known that for a while, but her saying it out loud was like, ah, man, okay, I can't ignore this. Um, And I just applied in December and am meeting with a potential therapist on Tuesday this week. So it has also taken me about a year. Um, And I think that's because I really have believed a lot of those stigmas. So that is something that I want to really like dig deep and unroot today um, in this conversation, because I grew up with that reality or the thought of reality that therapy was for that specific group of people, like you mentioned, Andrea. And now I feel like, am I, am I that broken? And it's like, well, we're all broken. Right. And so, um, I'm, I am excited, but also dreading it. That's, I think there is that kind of tension I'm carrying with entering into this because I know and trust that it's going to be so healthy for me, but I hate processing emotions and bringing all of that to the surface. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are years of my journey that that I'm going to need to process. That's just going to be hard. And I'm, but I'm also excited to see the end of end result that there is health on the outside of that. So that's where I'm at. So good. So good. So friend, if you think that you should start therapy and you just keep getting down on yourself because you haven't started yet, I mean, you're in good company. It's taken Stephanie and I both a while to move the ball up the field. Um, and Steph, before we introduce Christy and bring her into this conversation, I, I mean, you kind of did touch on it, but why are you choosing to make this a part of your week or month? Like, why are you choosing to step into therapy? Yeah, I have just come to this point. Like, I feel like I'm a very reflective person, Um, but I have come to a point in my life where I've realized that I can't process the hard emotions on my own. And, And there's a level of, sure, my friends are there. My husband can hear it and he can help me kind of think through things. But when it comes to actually the deeper emotions and figuring out why I'm feeling this certain way or why I'm avoiding feeling a certain way, I just really need the professional help to kind of walk through that. And I know that emotions are good and healthy. I know that in my knower, (laughs) but I don't know that in my heart yet. And so I know that that is just kind of the next step to really 
get closer to God in that way and really understand his heart for our emotions and my emotions. Um, and just, I know that it will actually help me draw closer to him. So, yeah. Oh, good. I love it. Yeah. For me. Um, so also Steph, have you done therapy before? Um, I did a short segment of it in high school. Okay. I'm sure I'll have to process that with the counselor too. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So this is not my first time going to therapy, but it is my first time since moving. Well, no, I actually went, um, through the seminary as well. Um, a couple of times when I first moved here, but this is like, okay, now I'm being intentional. I'm putting my money where my mouth is like, I'm stepping back into this intentionally, um, for the second time in my life. And for me, the why is, um, because the past 10 months have been hard. Um, and right before that I moved across the country and that was hard. Uh, and then honestly, part of it is I work in ministry and I work with people and I'm like, yeah, there's some things that I probably shouldn't carry that just getting to talk to another person, I should do this. Um, and I mean, I know not everyone, a part of our community works in ministry, but everyone is in a family or whatever. Um, and I was just kind of told like, Hey, with your job, you should probably have check-ins throughout your entire career. Um, and so anyone that does work in ministry, whatever age you're in, um, and again, Christy's about to be on here. And so take her word for it, not mine. Um, but if you work in ministry or in leadership, you should probably have check-ins every so often throughout your career. Um, so yeah. So without further ado, I am so excited to introduce, um, all of our fearless, authentic friends to one of my friends and coworkers at Soul City Church. Um, Christy Chapman is the mom to Obi, um, one of the most well-behaved and beautiful dogs I have ever seen. Um, she is a world racer, which, um, is honestly something she and I bonded over because I'm a YWAMer and man, anyone else that can live out of a backpack in foreign countries for a few months, like, and hers was actually 11. Um, they're my kind of people. Um, and she has lived coast to coast, um, but always keeps finding herself back in the Midwest. So she's lived in Portland, New York City, um, and the Chicagoland area. Um, she has her master's in clinical social work from NYU. And you are the care director. I always say care pastor. Um, but then you always correct me and say care director at Soul City Church, um, which I'm actually going to let you explain what you do, Christy. Okay, great. Well, thanks guys. I'm so excited to be on here talking about um, church and therapy is maybe my, my favorite thing. So that's, um, yeah, so I'm the director of care at Soul City, so you know my title. <laughs> I'm sure it'll change though. Our titles at Soul City always get all moved around. We end up doing lots of different things, but um, yeah, so I've been a private practice therapist for the past 10 years and loved it. My, my primary people that I work with outside of like, you know, people with anxiety and depression and you know, couples and adolescents, like lots of people have different things like that. But my specialty is around attachment and relationships and trauma. And so I've kind of done a bunch of different work in that, but ultimately like a year and a half ago, I decided 
that I, well, not a year and a half ago, before that, probably like four years ago, I decided that I just felt really passionately about mental health in the American church. And uh, I loved church more than a lot of people love church. And I didn't like that more people didn't love church. And when I looked at it, I saw places and spaces that were leading people not into healing, but into other things. And I wanted to help make a difference. And so now I, a year and a half ago, started working with Soul City to partner with the church, Soul City specifically in Chicago around issues of mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, just for frame of mind, so people kind of get a grasp of what that looks like mm. in the past two months since COVID, you know, hit the United States, really, Christy, what has your job kind of looked like? Just so people can see how therapy, mental health and church is literally working together um, at our church. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it has looked like um, developing programs for, to come alongside of people when they need lots of different resources with mental health. So um, coming up with ways to meet them outside of their homes, coming up with ways to meet them over Zoom, uh, helping them find accessibility and next steps into different programs around the city. So um, finding partnerships with people who are doing the work of mental health, other therapists, other intensive outpatient programs um, to know them and then refer people to them. So it looks like meeting people one-on-one, -on -one, uh, writing curriculum for groups where we can meet people in some of those difficult spaces. You know, we have things around grief and shame. Um, we developed a program, uh, or I guess I should say a group called Grief 101 that helps people just understand like, what, am I in loss? Am I in, what is that? Like, is it just when someone dies or is that like, you know, when we're in a global pandemic mm -hmm. and just helping people to understand that. And then we just started a group for people who have, um, gone through in some way, trauma and abuse and to find healing in the church around that. So, I mean, you really have like meshed your two great loves together. And that is something I love so yeah. much about you. And also just encourages me as a human with what I feel like are a lot of different passions is I'm like, look at how God took the multiple things that Christy is passionate about and gifted in and has like brought them together as she was continuously obedient, um, which is actually something I see in both of you too, that I love about both of you is you guys are both very obedient to God and the gifts and the call that he's placed on you guys. Yeah. Um, so I just like you guys. Uh, okay. Christy, you listen to me and Stephanie share where we are at with, with therapy and all that. And so I'm just curious as someone who has been, um, a, therapist for, you know, a decade now, did anything we said, um, shock you? Or what was <laughs> <No. your> response? <laughs> Nothing was shocking. To be honest. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think your guys, well, the first thing I want to say is like way to go because in each of you, there was something that held you back from saying yes to therapy, whatever that was, right. It, it could have been fear. It could have been some avoidance about something. It could have been an even avoidance that you didn't even know that wasn't conscious, just was like, a, oh, life takes over, you know, whatever. Um, and instead you pushed through in some sort of greater knowing of what you needed and deeper courage. And you were like, I'm going to do this. And so to hang on to that, like for Andrea, for you for a year, I'm like, yeah, girl, like way to push through and choose what you need. You know, it is not always easy. I love the phrase. Um, you know, we're always being discipled by something. It's just a matter of what, and if we know what it is. 
And I think that if we allow the world to transform us, we become transformed by all sorts of crazy crap. And you, instead of being transformed by busyness or avoidance or whatever, you said, no, I'm going to take hold of my transformation. And even if it takes me a while, I'm eventually going to say yes. And so I just want to acknowledge first, you guys' courage to go ahead and do that and persistence, you know? Yeah, this is beautiful. So, okay. So that said, uh, yes, your guys' stories are like everyone's story. I mean, mine included, it takes a long time to get to a place where you're ready to say yes to something that's unknown. Ultimately, there are a lot of stories about what therapy is. Most of them very not true or partially true. <laughs> and I think that it's hard. It's hard to say yes to something you don't totally understand. And the best framework most people have is that it's like talking to a friend, but that can undersell it too. You know that, cause that's not all it is, right? It's a little bit of that. Um, but that's not all it is. So, man, well, friends, now you know why I love Christy. I mean, I just feel so empowered and encouraged just <laughs> signing up for therapy. So thanks, Christy. You're welcome. I'm happy. Okay. So, um, you said something that has me now going, wait a second, time out. What? Um, mm -hmm. you said that your specialties were an attachment and different things. So hold up, take it back. Mm -hmm. Therapists have specialties. Yes, 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 we do. Break that down. So, yeah, if you talk to a therapist that is within their first, I don't even know, three years of practicing, and you ask them what their specialties are, they're going to say anxiety, depression, you know, young adults, adolescents, single people, some couples or whatever. And those are kind of just general. Like that's like every, all of us, every single therapist who's ever available works with anxiety and depression because everybody has anxiety and depression to some extent, right? Maybe not diagnosable, but we all kind of fall on some sort of like continuum. And um, so when you get into deeper, when you're in therapy for a while, you start to see like, oh, this is what I really work well with. You know, therapists are humans just like all of us. And so we drift to certain things. Some things we're better at and certain people drift to us. So one of them that I learned really quickly, which is a funny thing, but I, um, I love relationships and I'm pretty socially adept and I, and all, I'm also a very warm person. People normally feel pretty comfortable around me pretty quick. Yes. I can attest to this. <laughs> yeah. And so I very quickly learned that very socially inept people often found their way to me. So I would consistently have these clients who were like, just kind of oddballs, you know, like just a little bit different than the average person who really were looking for relationships that were going to feel good and whole and they couldn't figure it out. And so I was like, huh, okay, how do I feel about this? Like these people are drawn to me. This is, how does this work? And it was a really fun period of time working with a bunch of them. But um, ultimately we kind of land in this place of, you know, this is the type of person that's drawn to me regularly. This is the type of work I feel drawn to. And then this is what I go I'm good at. And how those three things kind of overlap then often become our specialty. So there are outside of trauma and attachment, um, which is kind of two separate things, but a little bit together, I guess. Um, trauma is like the severe kind of attachment disruption. So 
you know, our attachments are like our, our mom and our dad, our primary attachments. And when those are wounded, when we're younger, whether in small ways, which happens to most all of us or big ways, which happens when you have trauma or abuse, then you have these wounds that then we become, we live out of without knowing really in our relationships. So that's mine, but there's a multitude of other specialties. Do you want me to talk about them? Um, I mean, kind of, but also, <laughs> yes, actually, I want you to like, just like give me the bullet list without the definition. Yeah. Is I don't know. Yeah. I can give you some general, general bullet list. So, um, eating disorders, like working with people with eating disorders would be a specialty, um, working with people who have, um, really severe mental health concerns. So delusions and, you know, bipolar kind of symptoms, these are like more intense. And then there's people who, um, do kind of deeper work around anxiety and OCD. And those are more of a specialty. Then you get into kind of like the orientations, the way people do therapy. And that can be like psychodynamic. That's like a way that you do therapy. That's what my, one of my ways I do therapy, which is that I consistently kind of go back to primary um, wounds and experiences as a way of helping us to move forward in your current circumstances. And then there's things like somatic work, somatic experiencing work, which is um, going like helping us to understand that we're mind, heart, and body. And so somatic therapists often bring in body work. They'll say, where do you feel that feeling in your body? What's how can we understand like what that is in your body so that you can understand what that is in your heart or your mind? Um, those are a few off the top of my head, but there's, you know, maybe like 80 more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I think that's so helpful because I think the, the average person, when they think about therapy, they go, oh, so it's like one size fits all. And what you just broke down is no, it's not even like, I'm sorry, I'm a girl. So I'm think like women's gene sizes. Like, it's not even like zero, two, four, six, whatever. It's like couture mm-hmm. almost where yeah. it's, yeah. My favorite way to talk about like how we start therapy is by noticing, you know, who are you most comfortable with? So like, Andrew, I think we kind of had this conversation, um, but Steph, like for you, the type of person you're most likely to open up to, are they your age? Are they younger or are they older? I'm actually, oh, you, want, you want me to answer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you. yeah. <laughs> We're having therapy right now. Uh-huh. Um, I would probably say a little older, like yeah. not too much older, but yeah. Like an older, older brother, older sister. Yeah. Yeah. Are they male or are they female or does it not matter? Mm. It's hard because I like, when I think about opening up, I'm kind of an open book except for emotions. Like mm. I will divulge all the details I could even I would even tell you what I think I'm feeling but Mm -hmm. actually showing it is like no one (laughs) I guess would be my answer (laughs) hence you know going to therapy um but I yeah I think I think at this stage of my life probably female um but it hasn't always been that way I'm I definitely feel like the brother relationship is a little easier to get started. Yeah. But the female ones tend to stay longer. Yeah. Which is, um, 
that's so interesting, right? To know that about yourself. And I, I think you just hit on something that is kind of what I'm getting at. You know, is it the mother relationship? Is it the father relationship? Is it the brother? Or is it the sister? Or is it the friend relationship? The person who's your exact age, exactly like you, who you're most willing to open up to. And so for your first experiences in therapy, I often encourage people to go that route. Whatever kind of feels like the person who could really help help you open up. You're most likely to cry in front of, you know, those, those are the ones I tell people to choose first. Um, cause it can at least make the transition into like, like you said, really uncomfortable sharing about emotion a little bit easier. Also, did everyone catch when Christy went into her therapist voice? Because it's fantastic. <laughs> and I love when you do that, just like in the office sometimes mm. too, it's so soothing. And I like, who do you want to open up to? I want to open up to Christy's therapy voice. That's what I want to do. So, that's awesome. Okay. That is so helpful. Cause okay. That's exactly where I want to go next is there are a lot of people mm-hmm. still, which we'll get to stigmas in a second mm-hmm. that for whatever reason, don't think therapies for them are not yet. Um, but there are some people that are a little bit closer. Um, maybe like Stephanie and I that are, you know, choosing who they're going to go with. And so what you just broke down was so helpful. Like, okay, male, female, what age range are they? Like, what role do you, are you most likely to open up to? Okay. That's super helpful. Now we are in our first appointment because for Stephanie and I, fingers crossed, hers is hopefully this week. Mine also, maybe we'll find out. Um, (laughs) what should we go in to our first appointment expecting, looking for, Help us out. Yeah, definitely. So your first appointment is what we would call an intake appointment, which is very unlike any other therapy appointment. So your intake appointment is your your therapist is looking to understand what we call what is the presenting problem. I mean, what's the thing that you're wrestling with right now? What's the thing that you want to understand right now? Um, or the thing that led you into therapy in this moment as opposed to another moment. Um, and then you know, who are you? So we, what I learned or what we call it is a biopsychosocial. So biologically, who are you? Like how, what, what were you like as a child? Who were you raised with? Who's your family? Like, have you had any medical problems? Like anything that makes you up your make biologically that we would want to understand. And then psychologically, you know, what are the things that you've struggled with in the past? What are the things that you're struggling with now? Have you ever been, um, depressed? Have you ever been, had panic attacks? Did you ever have test anxiety when you were in school? All of these things we're trying to understand. And then socially. So like, what's your relationship like with your best friend? You know, what's your relationship like with your parents or with your siblings or how are you different at work? And then how are you different kind of personally? That helps us to understand this kind of whole picture of, of who you are so that we can have this baseline understanding. It's kind of like, you know, like pre-Enneagram, Enneagram, right? Like if you go in now, you can be like, oh, I'm actually a three. And now everybody has understand, oh, okay, this is kind of how she relates to her emotions and people around her. We didn't always have that though. (laughs) Okay, so that's so helpful. So I know, you know, not this time around, but the very, very first time I went to therapy, I was terrified about the first appointment because I was like, I don't really know what to say. But Mm. what... I just heard you say is basically they're going to ask a lot of questions at the first appointment as an intake. 
And then from there, now I'm speaking from my experience, so correct anything that I'm saying that's wrong, mm-hmm. is a conversation is normally had at the end of that appointment or the beginning of the next one where you go, okay, so we have a couple of different things we can dive into. What would you like to dive into? And so what I personally loved about it is I didn't feel like I had to lead that because I'm like, I need help. (laughs) But I felt like I needed to be able to articulate what I needed help with. Mm, Yeah, gosh, that's such a great great thing to say. I forget that it feels like that. You know, I I forget sometimes how hard it is to say like, wait, who's going to go next? And how, how are they going to talk? And like, what's going to like, like that, like um, back and forth. That's so uncomfortable, you know? Um, but yeah, it is. It's so vulnerable to like say, okay, I'm going to go in and talk about these really hard things. And I, I have no idea how it's going to go and what's going to happen. So I can share a little bit about that. So after you have this initial session where there's, you know, the sharing about kind of like who you are in the past and what's going on currently, yeah, I think your therapist either identifies what they would call goals or they would just say, you know, these are some things that I hear you want to work on. And this is kind of how I envision that could look, um, us working on that. Um, I always like to encourage people to have a conversation with their therapist about how much they want to lead the session. So the therapist, <laughs> I've had people come in and they'll be like, I believe that <laughs> this was a hilarious side one time. I was like, I believe that you actually are 80% of this and I'm 20. And I'm like, wow, so we need to have a conversation about that because <laughs> I'm like not taking up 80% of the space. This is you, this is for you. So it's important that you do take up space, right? That it's not just your therapist that's like, okay, and what about this? And what about this? I think that's how you get into a therapy situation where your therapist is advice giving. You can get in a, a weird kind of dynamic when the reality is you don't need their advice. You got friends and mentors and bosses and all sorts of people to have their advice. What you want is their discernment and their eyes to see something you don't see and to ask you a question about it so that you could start to develop a stronger, louder inner voice that guides you. So the therapist's job is just to help you identify that inner voice and what it's saying. It's not for them to have a voice in your life. Gotcha. Okay. That is helpful. So they aren't there to fix you. You <laughs> have to do the work, which, okay, I'm now going to go into this because I've now used the word fix me and I need help. And there are these stigmas with therapy that again, and I kind of touched on this at the very beginning um, of like, you are have an addiction that you have had gone through big T trauma, which maybe break down big T versus little T um, that, uh, you know, you are clinically depressed that um, you have anxiety, like these big things. So Christy, who should go to therapy? Mm, yeah. So you're asking the right slash the wrong person. Cause I'm going to be like, everybody, everybody should go to therapy. Like there's right. nobody that shouldn't go to therapy uh, actually. And maybe that's not true. I think the only person who shouldn't go to therapy are like somebody who has somebody else that is pushing them to go to therapy because they think something's wrong with them. And mm-hmm. that is not helpful to go to therapy. Um, if that's the case, right. But individuals, everyone. So, so I like to think about it like this. We can only um, work through and process what is conscious. 
And I don't know if you guys have ever seen those charts of like an iceberg and like the thinking mind. And basically the thinking mind, our conscious thoughts are just that tip of the iceberg that's above the water. Our unconscious or subconscious thoughts are this deep dive that we have no understanding of. So one of the ways I like to talk about it with, with Christian people, especially is, you know, we're made in God's image and we're never going to understand all of God. So how could we expect to think that we know all of us, that we know everything there is to know? Our brains are complex and wild. Like there's so much we don't know about ourselves. And the beauty is that we can surrender to that and spend the rest of our lives kind of learning and journeying and figuring out, or we can control and kind of believe we know all and get fearful and step back from that process. And that's where like something that's really compelling to me is when you look at elderly people, they really fall on to two sides. You know, you see elderly people who are wearing bright lipstick and kind of flexible and fun and can do this. I imagine she's wearing bright lipstick, but maybe she doesn't, but, and willing to kind of change and shift. And then you have elderly people who are rigid and who are scared because life just kept going and getting like more unfamiliar. Right. So if we just surrender to the fact that there's a whole conscious mind that we do not get. It's a beautiful thing to enter into therapy and say, okay, well, what's here that I don't understand a whole heck of a lot, lot but let's see what comes up. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's a really great way to explain it. I think for me, when you said iceberg, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like that is absolutely why I'm realizing like, this is my next step because I know that there's so much under the surface that I'm just trying to ignore (laughs) or not even thinking I'm ignoring, but I am subconsciously. Um, Yeah, that's a really helpful way to look at it. I think there's something that maybe this is just me, but I know there are other people out there. This tension between Christianity and therapy specifically. So I wonder if you could just explain like a biblical perspective of therapy for just like you said, for everyone, like not thinking through this very narrow-minded lens, but really how do Jesus and therapy go hand in hand for people? Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that I needed, I should have looked up this Bible verse before we got on the call, but there's a verse in Colossians in three somewhere that says something like in order for us to know all, all of ourselves, we have to know God. And in order for us to understand and know God, we have to know ourselves. You know, the only way that we can understand who God is because he's in relationship with us is through our own lens of attachment and relationship that was formed by two humans who messed up all the time. And so we're projecting onto God constantly things that he is not. And so our life and walk in Christianity is consistently reforming that and learning wait, who God actually is. Oh, wait, he's not Um, you know, like a common one I hear is he's not an authority. Like, like my dad who misused power and authority and was like, this is how it is. Like, that's not how God is right. Like that God is loving and gentle and relearning that. And so I think that therapy is for the every person, because we, we can't conceptualize God, um, outside of our wounds. If we don't know what our wounds are. So people have this stigma of going to therapy when you are, have addiction or when you have depression or when you, whatever, because that's when people are like clinging to therapy, right? That's when people come in and they're like, this is my lifeline each week. And there are those people and therapy is a really important role for those people. 
However, there's a different side of therapy that is actually, I think like one of the really cool things is when people come in and when they actually don't have too much to talk about, that's when some of the best work happens because they start to explore something that doesn't make sense or that they don't know. And, you know, honestly, that's also kind of what it's like with God, right? In our prayer life. And when we like allow Holy Spirit to do things that don't make sense to us, crazy crap happens. That's amazing, right? But in our small human brains, we only want to do things or engage in things that make sense. And sometimes it doesn't totally make sense because we don't know it yet. And we got to step off of our little arrogant high horse of thinking that we know everything. I love that. Okay. This might not be as simple of a question as I think it's about to be, but when should someone go to therapy? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, do you mean outside of like, if they're struggling with addiction or they're depressed or like any of that? Yeah. Cause you, stuff? the kind of what you just touched on was like, there's a time where like, you're kind of at the end of your rope and it is a very important part. But then there's also the like, mm-hmm. let's play with different things that I now have the space to d- dive into. So, yeah, I would say um, when I would choose for most people, if I could say like, okay, this is a part of every educational system that everyone goes to therapy at this age, I would say that there's two stages. There's um, like 13, 14 age where you start to, your identity is formed by what you see outside of you and the way people react to you. And therapy takes the place of a safe place that validates your emotional experience. That doesn't say your emotional experience is wrong because somebody else is saying it's different. It kind of says, hey, this is okay. Like this is okay to be exactly you. I think that's really important. Um, And some people have that space in their homes, um, which is great. For teenagers who can have a solid sense of identity at that time in their homes. A lot of people don't. And a lot of people need it outside of their homes who have great parents. So that's one, right? But I think more what we're talking about is in like the formation of identity and calling, understanding who we are and why we are and where we came from and all of that. And I tend to think that the best time for that is depending on your emotional maturity and your ability to understand your EQ, your ability to understand your emotional life. Sometime between 19 and 22, I think would be the best. Um, Mostly what's happening is in college, I see a lot of people starting to become more aware of who they are and why they are. And they engage in experiences of um, numbing or avoiding or busyness or performance and striving in school, kind of like doing all of these other things to filter that down. And I think therapy can help you actually really dive into that. So good. So good. Uh, Christy, before I wrap this up, I'm just curious, is there anything as a therapist that you would just love to be like, man, I wish people knew this about therapy, or I wish the church specifically knew this about therapy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I'll say the church and then I'll say the people. Um, I wish that the American church specifically knew that they didn't need to be threatened by things they didn't understand Mm -hmm. and that therapy and our minds could be both of those things Mm -hmm. that it's not something to be scared of, but that it's something to explore and to push into. 
I think there were a lot of, when I first started following Jesus, there were a lot of things that I just fell in line about. Like I was like, oh yeah, this seems right. This, this looks right. And it was going to, um, it was sitting with people in deep relationship and then continuing to do my own work in therapy because I had already started that, that allowed me to push back what should be and to ask questions about like, wait, oh, I was actually doing this out of shame. I didn't realize I was doing this thing out of shame, but I was. And, and to say, well, what else is there? And to love myself um, better. And some of my outcomes are the same. Some of the things I believe end up believing the ways I end up living are the same thing, but I'm living it out of this whole version of self as a part of, uh, rather than like this, this shame or what should be. Um, so that's what I think I would, I would love for the church to know. Um, and then what I would love for people to know about therapy is that it's not, uh, it's not just talking. It's not, it's not just going in and sharing with a friend. I think that's the version we're most comfortable with. And so I think that's great if you want to, if you want to start with that, you know, if that makes it feel more comfortable, yes, by all means do that. But I hear often from people who are like, okay, well, I think I'm good. Like, I think, I don't think I have anything else. I'm kind of bored or, or my therapist, they'll say like, I think my therapist is like, I feel like I'm just doing the work. They're not doing anything, you know, or something. And so I always challenge people to get uncomfortable, um, you know, to, to push in and believe that there's something else going on there and the attachment of the relationship with your therapist, um, then you could really understand and to reflect on that. So one of my, one of my favorite things to talk about, you know, is going into your therapist and when you start to feel um, like, like the feelings that came up for me, I'll use my example, I'll be vulnerable. So when I started going to my therapist, uh, one of the things that I realized was that I wanted to take care of him. I kept being like, oh, is he bored right now? What's he doing right? What is that face? Why is he making that face? What's happening? Oh, I bet, I bet this is kind of late. Oh, this is too early of a time. He probably doesn't, he probably didn't really want to meet me in that time. Like all of these things that were just running commentary in my head, right? I wouldn't say any of them. I would just be like, oh, he's fine. He's not saying anything, whatever. But there was a time where I then started to think, you know, cause I'm a therapist too. So I like know that this is important. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get brave enough. And I'm actually going to tell him that I'm thinking these things. And so I was like, Hey, so I realized that sometimes I worry that you are bored <laughs> or sessions or whatever, you know? And he was like, Oh, tell me more about that. And our therapy took a turn when I decided to actually be uncomfortable and to be vulnerable and to not just make him do the digging and make him kind of take control and figure this out. But when I showed up with something that was hard or scary, it changed how deep I could go and the way it transformed me. So I wish, I wish all people would know that. That is the premise of be fearlessly authentic right there. <laughs> like that is our whole heart for this podcast. So I seriously love how you said that. That's just that's it. Like once you get to that level, which is why we're pursuing therapy this year is to go that level deeper is when like your true self comes out and everything else seems a lot more possible. So thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. so perfect. Totally. Yeah. Cause therapy is relationship, you know, it's not, it's not a relationship like you've ever known if you haven't gone to therapy, right. It's different. It's a different relationship, but it's relationship. So good. 
goodness, Christy, thank you so much for gosh, sharing your wisdom and your experience and your years of study, um, of humans, um, and God. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that Stephanie and I care deeply about, which is why we want to do this in our very first month of our podcast is because we too, like you, Chrissy, like we care deeply about the church. Um, but as we've navigated our own mental health and the church and our generation, which we're millennials, but Gen Xers and Gen Zs and even boomers have their own journey with mental health in the church. And the church has come a long ways in the past 10 years and, um, or 20 years. And I'm so proud of her. Um, I, I personally, I'm not gonna speak for anyone else right now. I think she still has a ways to go. Um, and Christy, you encourage me like you, you as a human encourage me because you show me like she is making progress. Um, and you know, I think partly because you are on our staff, but also they looked for you, our leaders, Jeannie and Jarrett, um, because this matters to them. And we actually did a series back in May of 2020, you know, when we're realizing this ain't just a few weeks, um, called whole and holy. And it honestly, it was so holy to me. I was like, oh my gosh, the church is partnering faith and mental health together. And then Judah Smith and home church literally just started a series, um, about trauma. And so, man, I just want to applaud the church and say, I love her, but listener, you are the church. Um, and so you get to keep going too. uh, so with that, wherever you're at in your therapy journey, um, man, I hope that you learn something and you're encouraged and you just might be one step closer to sending your own email um, to sign up for therapy. Christy, one thing that we do on here is we are fearlessly authentic. And so we answer the question, to know me in this here now moment, you would know this. So as a guest, we're gonna invite you into this with us, uh, Stephanie, I have the ball, so I'm going to make you go first, and then Christy, you can decide whether you want me to go next or you want to go next, Um, but yeah, Steph. All right, so to know me in this here now moment is to know that um, I'm feeling a little anxious, and I think I use that word especially because there is the negative side, but there's also the positive side of being anxious, so um, I have a little bit of both, and just it's been a long week I'm going into a long week and um I have my first therapy session so I have nervousness for that um and unsure of what's gonna unfold but I'm also excited in knowing that God's got it and I know it's gonna be so good for me so just a little anxious I can go next uh, to know me in this here now moment is to know that my feet are very cold because it's very cold here. And my lap is really warm because my dog is snuggling me, which is my delight because he never does any snoring. <laughs> and also to know that I am feeling vulnerable and excited uh, and anxious. I'm getting to do some things at work that feel all of those things that feel every little bit of that. And then I'm trying to take some pretty big steps in my personal life to like continue to live out health in pandemic. And so one of those is now that our gyms are opening up is to join a gym. And I have my first, my first day at, I'm joining a CrossFit gym. So for my first day at a CrossFit gym this week, um, 
And so I just kind of feel like I'm doing some risk, risk taking, um, right now. So yeah, makes me feel all of those things. So good. Okay. To know me in this here, no moment is to know that, um, I am feeling really encouraged and really excited about therapy. Um, but I hold that in the tension of, I also know that it means going into some uncomfortable places and that some things that I don't know are going to come up um, and I'm going to have to deal with that. And so I also have some hesitancy. Um, but I also just like, I see God's handiwork and even the timing of us recording this because, um, like I said, like <laughs> I use the accountability of us sitting down to talk and record this podcast to actually send the email of like, Hey, I need a therapist. You want to be it. Um, but with that said, like I've been, I've finally realized I am battling depression in the past few months and I could feel it this past week, like trying to sneak back up. And I honestly, there's a part of me that wants to just let it win. Um, and so I'm kind of sitting in these two spots of like, man, I'm so excited. And then there is this thing like on my back that is like, but do you really want to do that? Like you could do the easy thing and just keep ignoring it. And, um, yeah, but I don't want 2021 to be like any other year. Like I want it to be an amazing year. And so I want to do the work. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Well, Friends, I hope that this was an encouraging conversation for you and something that maybe you needed that little extra push, um, whether you're pursuing therapy or you've done it in the past or wherever you're at, just to kind of process where you're at. And if people were to know you right now in this moment, what would they know? What should they know? And what is that next step of being fearlessly authentic? So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and follow us on Instagram at BeFearlessly.Authentic.